We're going to read today um, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Join me, would you? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Now flip over just a couple of pages, would you? Uh, Kristen and I, I've talked a couple of different times how hard it is when you're just doing, dealing with deep theological concepts um, to, to convey those truths. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do it, it doesn't happen. But, but um, I love it in God's word that not only does he give us passages like John chapter 1 where we get boom, 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 the, the truths about who God is, who Jesus is. But then he also gives us passages like John chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 where we see people interacting with that truth. And, and we can identify with how they responded. So our second passage is from the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 3. It's a story of Nicodemus. Do you remember that name, Nicodemus? He appears probably four or five times in Scripture. His name appears four or five times, but his, um, but his uh, presence is felt three or four different critical times. One of them is when the the Supreme Court of Israel is arguing about what to do with Jesus and they are just going to condemn him outright. And Nicodemus, one of the members of this, this highest body in the Jewish faith, says, you know, don't, doesn't a person have a right to be heard before he, he is condemned? And Nicodemus is this voice of reason. And, and you got to imagine that that took incredible courage. And I know that, that God is asking incredible courage of you in these days. For some, it's to believe that he indeed is in sovereign control over our lives. For some, it's, it's regarding um, prayer that we've asked some of us. Well, I'm, I'm 62 years old, and so for the last 40-some years, I've had a continued prayer for some people that are very important to me that God has not yet answered, right? It takes courage to keep praying, right? To keep asking. But for some, it means um, courageously standing up in the culture, even when everyone else, even the faith community, like Nicodemus experience, is saying something different to stand up and, and believe what God's word says. So that the third time that we see Nicodemus is late one night. Now remember, he's got um, a high position in the Jewish community. The Jewish community who has not yet recognized and, and ultimately would not in mass, recognized Jesus as the Messiah that they longed for. And yet Nicodemus, like you and me, is, is transfixed by this combination of the words that Jesus said. He just spoke life. Right? Have you ever encountered someone like that, that just spoke life, and, and, and it was like doors opened for you, right? 
Jesus spoke life and, and people experienced it. But he also spoke healing. He also spoke sustenance. He, he did miracles before the people. And Nicodemus saw that. And it put him in a moral dilemma because he could not grasp how this human, who everybody knew where he came from and knew his family background, which, by the way, wasn't so good, right? There's some, some uh, rumors going on about his family background. He be doing these things. So he came by night to um, to Jesus, and I, I'm, I'm just going to read into that. Scripture doesn't say it, but I'm going to read into that that he was a little afraid to come by day. He was afraid to identify openly with Jesus. And we pick up that story here in John chapter three, verse one. There was this man of the Pharisees, in other words, one of the conservative branches of the Jewish faith, named Nicodemus, power to the people is what his name means, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, or a teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, and he says this phrase that, that doesn't translate well um, into English, but it appears all over the place. Um, he says, truly, truly, or some of you with King James, verily, verily, right? In other words, don't miss this. Don't miss this. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's, there's a, a mild rebuke in there, right? Because Nicodemus is saying, I, I, can't, I can't reconcile these things in my mind. I can't see what you see. And, and Jesus is diagnosing the problem and speaking the solution, right? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, that puts Nicodemus off on a visual bunny trail that he just cannot reconcile, right? And, and, and so he responds, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers again, don't miss this truth. This is truth, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people have said, what does this mean, born of water? Does that mean baptism? Scripture always interprets itself. And if you read the next line, right, the next line he explains what being born of water is. Um, he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. In other words, being born of water is being, being delivered through the mother's amniotic fluid, being born of the flesh. That which is flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Wow. Wow. 
And then jump with me down to some very, very familiar verses. The conversation continues, and I invite you to walk with Nicodemus through that conversation. But jump down to verse 16, if you would. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. Lest we missed it, Jesus says again, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Can I translate that briefly for a moment? God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn you, but that the world and you might be saved through him. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Pray with me, would you? Oh, Lord, thank you for this um, adventure we've been having in discovering who you are. And even those of us, God, who, who um, have intellectually given assent to these truths over years even or decades of our lives, God, I love it that you always have more for us. There's always more. Uh, we are different than we were when we first heard these words, and, and we need these words again today. So I pray, God, that you would help us to understand your word today. As you said so many times in Revelation, Jesus, we do have ears. Help us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. But then, God, I pray, too, that we would not only hear and find life ourselves, but that, that you would uniquely equip us to be able to speak life into other people's lives as well, to speak truth and to, and to represent Jesus in such a way that others can come to know him. God, I know if that happens that we will be doubly blessed. So we just ask it in the name and power of our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let's review just for a second. If you're just joining us today online or here today, um, it's been just a four short verses, but such powerful truths. And I, I apologize in reminding you it's going to seem like I'm just skipping over them. And, and I, I do not mean to do that. Each one is absolutely world-shaking in importance. Remember first that Jesus not only was with God, in other words, a separate identity from, from God, but that he was God, right? And again, for many of us, we committed ourselves to that a long time ago. It's not like brand new news to us. But if I were to say something to you, and I don't think there's any Freds in the room, so I'll use the name Fred, um, Fred is God, then you, it would slap you, right? It would, it would, you, would, you would say, wait a second, do I believe that? And I want to encourage those of us who have intellectually given assent to the truth that Jesus is God to never take that for granted, amen? This is a, a life-changing truth, and, and, and to invite God every time we consider it, every time we meditate on it to go deeper with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
And while we were still reeling from, from that truth, then, then John gave us another powerful truth. I'm smiling because, as we said a couple weeks ago, the other Gospels kind of trickle into the identity of Jesus. John does not mess around. He just gives you the right cross right, right up front. Not only was Jesus a part of the Trinity, not only was he God, but he was the creator as well, right? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So there's no other way John can say it more strongly. Jesus created the world. Let me take it one step further. Jesus created you. Do you remember last week? That means he knows you. He knows your body. He knows your broken heart. He knows your wounded, bruised, bent over spirit, right? He knows you. And he can meet you at that place. But John takes us yet another step further today in these four powerful words. In him was life. Life. Now we're, we're a curious people, aren't we? We'll do anything and everything we can to experience life. I mean, at, at an emotional level, God forbid that there be something going on somewhere where somebody's having fun and, and we're not there, right? We want to be where life is, right? But on a spiritual level, at some point, um, God allows us to understand ourselves and, and to realize that, that, um, that we need something even more than emotional happiness. I find myself um, now six decades into this, into this world thinking of things that I never thought about when I was younger, right? When I was younger, I was kind of immortal, right? I don't mean that in a blasphemous sense. I just mean that when you haven't had to face physical trials, then, then um, you don't have a frame of reference for them. And I've, I've, in a weird way, and I haven't experienced anything like what many of you are experiencing or have experienced, but in, in, a, in a weird way, I'm kind of grateful that God is starting to loosen my little white knuckle grip on this life. And he's opening my hands and he's opening my heart to something more. Well, we do all kinds of things to try and lengthen our days, don't we? You've heard many times that for, for many of us, the summation of our lives was two dates on a, on a cemetery tombstone. And there's that little dash in between, right? And there might be a phrase below. I walk um, almost daily in the cemetery next to our church here. Um, it's just a great place to walk. It's peaceful. and uh, But my eyes are always drawn to the tombstones, and it's poignant because I see the tombstones of many who have worshipped with us here. And, and it just warms my heart to remember them as I walk by them. But it seems so inadequate, right? That, that all of life would be summarized by this 
1958, and then whatever the day is that we die, right? A beginning and an end. Jesus is saying there's something more. Excuse me, John is saying through Jesus there is something more. Rather than a, a line that begins and ends, Jesus, or John is saying that there's no ending here. There's no ending here. Yes, your physical life began there, but, but your life now can extend to eternity. And, and were that not enough, right? Because I do find myself sometimes just thinking, what will it be like in eternity? He's saying that life happens now. That life happens now. It's not just about your physical life. It's not just about we're scrambling to make Christmas plans and, and, and honestly, we stop making plans, right, because it changes tomorrow, right? Um, but right now, there's an outside chance that we might have everybody home for, for Christmas, right? And, and my heart just rejoices at that. We've, um, like you, been limited in our contact with people that we care about. Even the last five weeks, we've been limited in our ability even to be together, right? So we have, um, this has nothing to do with anything, but it brings me life, and so I want to share it with you, right? So, so our little rug rat, Judah, is discovering his hands and feet and all kinds of stuff, and he motors around the motors around the living room, and, and he comes over and touches the tree. Well, we have a foot, we have a foot pedal to the lights on the tree, right? Because I'm too lazy to bend over and unplug them. And so when he touches the light, uh, the tree, I, I press the foot pedal, right? And the lights go out, and he goes, and then he reaches back, and he touches it again, and I press the foot pedal. And he touches it again. I turn it off and on. Everybody hates me because he's going to do this the rest of his life, right? And one. But it was so much fun. Because when he thought, I have the power to bring light, right? Then he, he clapped and he, and he turns in circles, right? My heart just explodes. My heart just explodes, right? And that, that is just my soul rejoicing. God is saying, John is saying, that, that there's a whole nother dimension. Nicodemus can't wrap his brain around it. We don't know whatever happened. The story of Nicodemus doesn't have closure. We know he shows up at the end and blesses Jesus by bringing uh, like 75 pounds of ointment to, um, to anoint Jesus' body tragedy was that, that he lived those years of Jesus' life never stepping across the bridge, right? Now, praise God that there's always an opportunity. I, he could have come to faith later in his life, but he was missing life right then. John says, don't let that happen. In Jesus is life. As he would say in John 10, 10, he's describing the evil one. He says, the thief comes to kill and destroy, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come, Jesus says, to, to bring life and life abundantly.
right? So, so I want to invite you to dig deep with me for a moment about the life that Jesus offers and, and to drink deep of that life with me today. Well, how do we do that? How do we appropriate um, life for ourselves? The story of Nicodemus, I think, has some things. I'm, and I'm, this is just Dave kind of pulling out some, some truths from those brief verses. But um, maybe, just maybe they'll help you as, as you seek now the abundant life that Jesus offers. How do we, how do, we do that? First of all, recognize life when you see it, right? And I'm so grateful to Nicodemus for this, right? He knew that there was life in Jesus. He knew that there was something different about this man, and, and, and he recognized that. Um, we look for life in so many things, don't we? And, and they, they give us a temporary feeling. They minister to our souls, but... but they don't have the power to transcend time. They don't have the power to transcend eternity. Jesus is saying, unless, unless there is a spiritual birth in your life, and that which is dead, which in, theologically we believe is born dead in you, comes to life, you cannot experience this life. Uh, Nicodemus saw that in Jesus and and, uh, and at least even in, dark, in darkness, went, went to find it. I, I remember um, I was always intimidated by my professors. I've got to be real careful because we've got students and professors in the same room here today. Um, I was always intimidated. And so I, I would never, I would never um, go after class to talk to my profs. Right? I might be having a terrible uh, time understanding something. I just didn't have the courage to go talk with my teachers or later in college, grad school, my profs, after seminary. Now I've had um, um, 12 years of lower education, four years of college, and three more years of graduate school, and I still can't get over this thing, right? Um, I finally go, this is stupid. This is stupid. And I think uh, I'm looking for Carol. Carol's not here today. Um, Carol was with me at a conference in... Um, in Southern California, and there's these world-class men and women of God there, right? And I thought, this is stupid. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go ask them. I'm just gonna go ask them if, if, if I can speak with them. And, and so I went to um, one guy that had been a mentor of mine through his books for, for many years, and, and I said, would you mind having lunch with me? And uh, I'm thinking, I'll bribe the guy, right? I'll, I'll offer to pay the guy's lunch. And he and his wife came, and it was amazing times. They ended up dedicating a, not dedicating a book, but signing a book for me uh, that I treasure to this day. Well, that was cool, right? And so I, uh, I thought about another speaker. Now, this might not mean anything to you, but the speaker was Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard is blow-the-doors-off kind of guy. And, and I was absolutely intimidated, but I was kind of emboldened by my first experience. So, so I said, um, Dallas, can, would you have lunch with some friends of mine and me? And, and Dallas said, well, you know, I've got to catch a plane, but, but grab a lunch, let's meet by the pool. And I got to spend 
I got to spend an hour with Dallas Willard. I'll treasure that, right? Eugene Peterson was there. And, and he was offering counseling to pastors. So I signed up for counseling. All of a sudden, I'm on a roll, right? And, and the heroes of my faith, Eugene wrote the message, Bible, translated, I should say. Um, you've got to recognize where life is and then, and then have the courage to go, to go and, and seek it out. So recognize it and seek it out. We don't know what happened in Nicodemus' life, but we do know this. He had the courage, even by night, to risk his reputation, to risk what other people thought. In many, in many, um, very possible that he was risking his very profession, right? To be with life, to be with Jesus. You've got to not only recognize it and seek it, but at some point, you've got to put your weight down on it. At some point, you've got to believe it and receive it, appropriate it for yourselves. These benefits of eternal, everlasting, abundant, John 10, 10, spiritual life, right, exist only in relationship with Jesus. John 1, 4 is very clear. In him. Isn't it funny how when you put the emphasis on a different syllable, it sounds completely different, right? In him was life. John uses the word in him, not by him, not even through him. In other words, what John is saying is the life that Jesus brings has both quantity and quality that can never exist apart from Christ. And that life, which belongs to God, is yours when you put your weight down on who Jesus is. Physical life is granted to all who Jesus created, but eternal, abundant, spiritual life, while offered, right, is only possessed by those who believe. So I want to I want to encourage you. Where are you? Two quest, two full question, right? Where are you with Jesus? Right? Have you just given intellectual assent and maybe like Nicodemus, um, even garbed yourself in the robes of religiosity, right? You do the things you're supposed to do. You, you show up where you're supposed to show up, right? There's no life. You know whether there's life or not. It's not too late. Life is in Christ, and you can have that life right now. But I want to I challenge those of us who know that we have it. We can know that we have life. First John uh, let's see, in fact, uh, 5, verses 11 and following uh, are those powerful words. This is the testimony. The same guy says, John, this is the testimony, right, that God has given us eternal life. Praise God. This life is in his son. Praise God. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. I shared with you before. I shared those verses with a, how old was she at the time? 95-year-old woman, Hazel. Willow Park, precious saint from Olivet. 
she pulls me aside one day after Bible study and, and, and says, can I really know that I have life? And I could tell she anticipated passing away. And, and, and she wanted to make sure. And I, and I opened 1 John, 1 John 5 and said, Hazel, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about believing in Jesus. I'm talking about can I know that I have eternal life? And I said, Hazel, if you have trusted Jesus Christ, let me put it in Paul's terms, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord with your mouth, right, and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. You have eternal life. And she goes, really? And I said, really? And then that little booger went on and lived 10 more years. She lived to be 105. But not one moment of her earthly life could compare, right? Like we say, could compare to the first moment of an eternity with Christ, beloved. All around us are people who don't have eternal life. Would you help them recognize where life is? Would you be so filled with life? Come on up, worship team. Would you be so filled with life that, that, that they're drawn to you and they say, tell, that, tell me, what is it about you? Forty-some years ago, I saw that in a bunch of high school kids, and as a result, I, I came to know Jesus. Help them recognize where life is. Help them seek Jesus out. Help them believe and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then this has happened recently uh, in our lives. Um, we'll get the joy of new birth happening right in our midst. Right in our midst. It's so precious when, um, when a child comes into the world. I'm going to tell stories, but I can't tell stories because Madeline's in the room. But I remember holding your hand, you holding my pinky, right? It was such a precious time. And it brought so much joy to Karen and I. Um, that moment, right? Imagine what happens in eternity. Heaven. <laughs> Maybe Judah was modeling what angels do, right? They, they turn in circles and they clap when one person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But lastly, let me, let me just really encourage you, and I'm thinking of you, Sarah, because you have said these words to me so many times. We live in a culture that speaks death. Amen? Right? We live in a culture that seeks to take life from you. Be a rebel. Be a rebel. Speak life into other people's lives. Right? Speak it into other people's lives. You aren't sovereign. You can't control how they will respond. But when you speak it, the Holy Spirit does something beautiful. The Holy Spirit shows up in all his glory. People like John fall before him in worship. Pray with me, would you? I pray for those who might be here with us in the room or even watching online who don't know, uh, God, where they 
are with you. Like Nicodemus, they, they may be even going through some religious motions, but they don't have that affirmation. Oh, Jesus, would you, would you reveal life to us today? I pray for those of us who, who are on the threshold of eternal life, that you would give us the courage to, to, to confess to some human being, I am going, choosing to put my trust in Jesus Christ today. I believe he is Lord. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And then, I, God, I pray that many would come to know you today by praying this simple prayer. Jesus, I'm tired of living for myself. I'm, I'm tired of settling for physical pleasures or even, even as beautiful as those moments are. Uh, emotional happiness, God. I want to experience life. And Jesus, today I choose to make you Lord of my life. I choose to move from death to life. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for those of us who do know you, but who have become complacent in the life that you have provided. We confess, God, that we've exchanged your glory for the glory of things made by human beings, of, of temporal pleasures that cannot last. Well, forgive us, God. Forgive us our sins. Open our eyes again to the life that is ours right now through Jesus Christ. And God, I, I just rejoice that if we can put you first, if we will put you before all these other things, you will grant us life. You bring light to our dim vision. Oh, to you be all glory, honor, and praise. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen.